again. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with science advisor Matt Moniz. You know, trying to trying to debut a new theme here, which is an old theme. So mm. it's a new theme for Spooky South Coast, but it's an old theme for me because uh, just about a year ago, I took over a different nightly radio program. Yep. Uh, one that was uh, hosted when it originally started, created by and hosted by the legendary Art Bell. And there were a few hosts in between, Art and myself, but uh, I was taking over that program uh, for Dave Schrader, who was leaving the program to focus full time on the Holzer Files. Huge hit for Travel Channel, now on Discovery+. Plus. Yep. So that was, you know where we were a year ago, and our friends over at Under the Question created that theme song because coming in, hosting the new program, I said, I'd like to have a new theme, you know, something that's a little bit of a throwback to to Art Bell, but also something that's kind of cool and modern. And so Dave came up with that theme song. Dave from Under the Question came up with that, which is, you know, it's kind of like a modern version of The Chase. Yeah, when you first played it for me, I thought it was just a, a... Like, why Why is this so familiar? So we used that as the opening theme for Midnight in the Desert when mm-hmm. I was hosting that program. And then, you know, things happened. I was uh, unceremoniously dumped when Flat Earthers took over that network. They decided that they didn't want me around because I wasn't going to push their agenda. And I wasn't going to take part because it was a very terrible deal for me. And it turned out I made the right decision, by the way, because there's nothing left of that network, but I'm not gloating in any way. Uh, but uh, we went over and started Midnight FM back in April, which we're streaming on here, simulcasting the Midnight FM network, but also here on WBSM. And, you know, we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. And tonight is our 15th anniversary show. So because it is our 15th anniversary show, I said, well, we need some new music, but I've been wanting to use this as the theme for a while now uh, because it is such a great theme. And so when we went over to Midnight FM and I started my Midnight Society program, which airs weeknights, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., when we started that, I brought that theme over. But then we we booked Matt Sharp of The Rentals, uh, I think back in May. And Matt had put out an album called Q36 with The Rentals. Now, if you're not familiar with Matt Sharp or The Rentals, he's the bass player from the band Weezer back when they first Long hit it big. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you um if you see the Buddy Holly video, you know, he's the the blonde bass player, the one that Al Molinaro asks him, uh, "Did you try the fish?" and he says, "Oh, it's not so good, Al." <laughs> like that's him. But um he you know, he left Weezer and formed his own band The Rentals back in 1996, I think, and they had a hit with Friends of P which is, I found out the whole backstory behind that song because for years people were like, who is P? Like, what's this song all about? And uh, as it turns out, you know, spoiler alert, the first Weezer album was produced by Rick Ocasek of The Cars. Yep. And at the time, he was married to, I'm going to butcher her name, but, you know, Paulina Provacanza, the the model. Yeah. And so they were, you know, she was always around when they were working on the album. And so she liked to give... Uh, palm readings. And so she read Matt Sharp's palm and everything that's in that song, Friends of P, are things that 
Paulina told him in that palm reading. So she's looking at his hand. Oh, you're a good guy for a gal. Uh, you're going to break down at 50. You know, like all those lines are things that she said. And so that's why it's called Friends of P because it's Friends of Paulina. So I thought that was kind of a cool story. And who knew that that song had anything to do with, you know, the kind of stuff we talk about here on Spooky South Coast. But when we had him on, it was to talk about his new album, Q36, which is inspired by the stuff that he used to hear about listening to Coast to Coast when he was out on tour. And so a lot of it is about, you know, space, secret space programs. There's a song called Conspiracy where it talks about the things that it actually name drops Art Bell and Mel's Hole and all of that kind of stuff. So he came on the program to talk about that. And we had a great like two hour back and forth interview. And somebody happened to just call in and say, you know, Matt, I think it'd be great if you gave Tim your music to use on Midnight Society. And, you know, I, I was a little embarrassed because I was like, no, that's not what this is about, you know. But, um, and I kind of like, you know, brush it aside. Like, you know, we can't use licensed music anyway. We don't have music licenses, all that. And then a few weeks later, out of the blue, Matt just emails and says, you know, I was thinking about what that caller said. And since you can't, you know, use the actual music, I do have these alternate remixes that I didn't put on the remix album that uh, I'd love to have you use. So he sent us all of this music. And that means he has a license for it. He, well, he, we, we ended up having to go through his management and they gave us like formal paperwork yeah, that yeah. said we have permission to use it. So if we ever run into issues with YouTube, putting up a video on it's YouTube. It's a lease or, type of thing. That's, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I yeah. just pulled on both that's, mics. I was going to say that's um, more like a lend-lease type of thing. They're lending it, leasing it to Yeah, you, I mean, so. I'm sure YouTube will still flag it, but whatever. We're not trying to make money off the video. Right. The, the cool thing is, is, you know, we get to use, and this music is awesome. Uh, but part of that agreement was it had to be just the rentals music. So I had to take away all the under-the-question music that we were using, which I was a little sad about because I really love that theme. Mm. Um, so I said, I'm going to, put this in my back pocket and we'll use it for spooky South coast eventually. So now we will. And I just forgot to have it loaded into the system. So I had to play it off a file. So I guess, you know, we can get a better version yeah. of it for, for next week, but the, um, but that's kind of a little bit of the, the history of how that theme song came to be. I love it. I mean, it sounds so cool. Get you amped up and ready. Yeah. When you played it for me, uh, uh, the other part, it sounded great. And like I said, it was a throwback to me. It's like, I, I was like, wow, this, feel like I'm riding in my truck again back in <laughs> not, <laughs> 1992, you know, listen. Not that I don't love the, the rentals theme that we use, but it's just, you know, and it made sense for Midnight in the Desert to use that theme because I was sitting in Art Bell's, you know, proverbial chair. Mm -hmm. uh, Midnight Society, completely different. It's all me, my own personality, my own show. We're not, we're not trying to live up to anybody else's expectations. And, uh, and if you haven't heard it... Uh, Listen, the show is a member membership-based show for the archives because that's how we support the program. But we had a show last night that I just had to put out for free, so I did. And you can check it out on the Midnight.fm social media, Midnight D-O-T-F-M. You can check it out on YouTube. Uh, we put a YouTube video up of it. But last night, my guest was Stormy Daniels. Oh, okay. And <laughs> a lot of people were, and, and I took issue with this, and I still do. Because there were people who got upset about the fact that we had Stormy Daniels on the show. So? Was it paranormal related? It was only paranormal related. Then... But, and and uh, let me just stress that Midnight Society is not 
just a paranormal show. Spooky South Coast is. Yeah. You know, it's okay. our it's our bread and butter for sure. Yeah. But with Midnight Society, we'll talk about all kinds of other things. It doesn't have to be paranormal. Uh, for example, um, you know, I've I've interviewed. Uh, um, who was I gonna? Uh, uh, yeah, that person. <laughs> Adam Nimoy. I was trying to think of his first okay. name. Adam Nimoy and Rod Roddenberry, the sons of it, yeah. uh, Leonard Nimoy and Gene Roddenberry. They came yeah. on to talk about Star Trek. Uh, we've talked about, you know, but all But it's still a sci-fi and there are... We've had, we've had cast members on from Twin Peaks. Uh, we've done, you know, we a lot of like the good entertainment stuff. In fact, a couple weeks ago, my, my guest was John Barber, who... Is uh, you you're old? You probably remember this show. Yeah. Uh, did you watch Real People? Yeah. So he was one of the hosts of Real yeah. People, John Barber. Yeah, I know. And the original host of the Gong Show. He quit the first day because he's like, "What the hell is this show all about?" Oh. He hosted the pilot of the Gong Show, and then he said, uh, "This is not what I thought that I signed up for." So they had to replace him real quick, and they didn't have anybody. So Chuck Barris, the producer, Chuck stepped Barry. in. Yeah. So and then you know that's a whole story, but. I remember that as a kid. That but was a great show. The, the idea is that, you know, the, the show exists to, to talk about all different kinds of topics. But Stormy was coming on particularly to talk about her new paranormal show called Spooky Babes. Okay. So. And, you know, she was sharing with us her paranormal adventures. And she recently has discovered that she's a medium. And she was sharing all of that with us. And, and it was a fun show. I mean, they were on their tour bus. Uh, they were There might have been some white claws involved in the program. And then... You know, as things went on, you know, it was a three-hour show, uh, they devolved a little bit. They were, like, you know, yeah. wrestling on the couch. Because I, I had, you know, I can see them on Skype. And uh, it was it was just a lot of fun. But people are, you know, killing us because they're like, Art Bell wouldn't have had Stormy Daniels on. Well, no, he probably wouldn't have, but we're not the Art Bell show. So, True. anyway, that's just my little rant about that. It's free if you want to check it out and listen. It's a lot of fun. Uh, not suitable for work. The, the language certainly, uh, but you know, once once they drop the first F-bomb and they're like, oops, sorry. I'm like, ah, it's fine. You know. Then from there. Because <laughs> my plan was tonight was to play a little clip because in the in the program, we talked about their investigation of the Lizzie Boyd in Bed and Breakfast. Yeah. And um, I wanted to play, you know, Stormy and Justin talking about when they went to Lizzie's and the things that happened to them there, because just like us, they had encount. you know, they were filming with high school kids that happened to be staying there. And if you remember, we had that shadow oh, yeah. person experience with high school kids that happened yeah. to be staying there. And I wanted uh, to college, freshman uh, college. They, yeah. yeah. They were, I know they were like 18 or whatever, yeah. but so we wanted to, I wanted to play that clip, but, um, I was going through it today trying to, like bleep out all the words. And yeah. I was like, Hey, by the time I get done with this, there'll be nothing left to hear. Mm. So it's kind of like when you have those, those, uh, those edited versions of songs, you know, <laughs> well, you don't, and don't like, hear why, half of it. Yeah. You're yeah. like, why is there even a song at this point anymore? Yeah. So, but you can check that out. We put it up there for free and, uh, it's definitely worth giving a listen to. And that's, you know, that's always been our philosophy. We've been doing this program now for 15 years. And, uh, we've had, a variety of different um, approaches that we've taken over the years. You know, we are, we talk about paranormal topics, but if something comes up that's fun and we have the chance to, to kind of work it in, then we do. And you know, some of those were 
our most popular shows as well as well as the most fun to do. Right. I'll give like the the old radio theater that we did. That was I I would love to do that again. Oh, there's always been talk about doing it again, but we just haven't got to get the right script. Yeah, we haven't had time to. Balzano was going to work on a script, and then I was going to work on one, and then the other part of it too is like especially now we could never do it. Because no, well, yeah. with you know yeah. until COVID passes, we can't have six people hovering around one microphone, you know. Uh, unless we do it as a, that could be to our benefit too. Just a limited amount of people doing the old campfire type of spooky thing, you know. Well, but but still, like, no, that production that we did was <laughs> it was fun. That's why we had people setting up outside the window so they yeah. could see, you know. Eight people hovered around one microphone, but we'll do it. I think, you know, by the end of this year, maybe by this fall, yep. you know, we'll be able to ease a lot of the restrictions and we can probably do something like that again. And I know people out there are going to say, well, you could do it from, you know, do it with Zoom. But no, mm-hmm. like we don't have the technical patience to put up with having, you know, a dozen actors all setting up. When you see, you know, the the celebrities reading the script of Fast Times at Ridgemont High for fundraisers, they've got professionals that come in and set all that stuff up for them. Yeah. They're not saying to their paranormal friends, hey, you want to play a part in this? Uh, and then you got to, like, help Keith Johnson work through how to set up a Zoom setup so it sounds good. <laughs> uh, no offense, Keith. But the, um, the idea of, you know, being able to work in different topics. I mean, remember interviewing Eddie Money? Yeah. And even Eddie Money was like, I don't know what I'm doing on a paranormal show, but I'm happy to be here, you know? Yep. And um, I remember hanging out with him over the seaboard. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) And we had Mick Foley on the show. We had the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, on the show. Uh, You know, basically, if we could... And and there's been celebrities that have come on because they've been tied into the paranormal. You know, we had Lita. was I. Yeah, Lita was on to talk about her UFO show. And, uh, you know, we've had a few other people that have kind of associated Felix, with the paranormal. Felix Zeller. Yep. I mean, so the the idea is here, it's just, you know, whatever's fun. And I kind of carry a lot of that same thing through uh, with Midnight Society. But how, looking at where we are at now, 15 years from when we started, like everybody is on the level of what we wanted to do back when we first started. And now it's like, you know, we're we're kind of the old men, and I don't want to call Stephanie an old lady, but you know, but we're kind of the older guard of of doing this now because there's content creators doing these kinds of programs all the time, mm. and we, you know, when Matt and I started coming in here before we even had you on the program, you know, it was all about how can we get this so that more people can listen live. You know, we we're only on WBSM. So we can only reach the south coast of Massachusetts. How do we make it so that people worldwide can listen to this show? We were setting up and recording before podcasts were really a thing. Right. Well, podcasts had started. What, yeah, I meant like really a thing. But there was the, the problem was is there was no like um, there was no real easy way to do it. Right. So for us, it became we were lucky that here in the state at the station, they had those little task cam boxes. Yeah. And those were used for the newsroom, but they only used one. And then one was always in the studio. Yep. And we realized that we could use that one and record the program, take that file, 
upload it to our podcast server, which 15 years later, we're still using the same podcast service <laughs> because we are grandfathered into a deal. Yeah. One hell of a deal back in the day. <laughs> uh, you know, not to not to give people the, the background of the business, but the the podcasting of the time was a lot different than it was now. So we were actually able to sign up for a plan that for $9.99 a month, we get unlimited storage, unlimited streaming, unlimited bandwidth, you know? Yep. And uh, so they really hate the fact that we're still on that deal <laughs> because now we're up over almost 700 episodes and, you know, tens of thousands of downloads a day. And uh, we use like, m you know, multiple gigabytes of bandwidth a month. And they're like, we're losing a lot of money on this spooky South Coast deal. But, uh, you know, hey, such is life. Uh, that's why I always say, like, it, it doesn't matter. There's two things that have to get paid every month without question. My rent and my podcast service bill. Because I can't, you know, I don't I don't want to be living on the street again. And I certainly don't ever want to lose that, that grandfather deal. So the, you know, we, we were practicing. Matt and I were practicing coming in here. We did a couple like dry run shows, mainly because Matt had to learn how to run the board. And I, you know, it was, it was always going to be that Matt was going to be the producer because he wanted to do all that stuff. Yeah. He's got the mind for it. He went to school for it. He only, he went to school for it after, after we, started we started the show. But yeah. But like he just had the mind for it. And so like that was always the part that we knew was going to happen. Plus, you know, I was already doing work here at the station anyway. So we figured if he learned how to run this, like then he could come in and back in those days, we used to have somebody here for football games and baseball games. So, you know, he could learn and he could make some money. But and then I would stand over there and, you know, just kind of watch him to try to learn. But I didn't pick up anything because I'm terrible. I'm still terrible at it. No. But the the computers are better now, though. That's true. We do have better and we have better automation. But he would, you know, come in and we would do these dry runs and he would record them on that little unit, which was always over here yep. behind us. And then when the time came for our debut, January 26, 2006, we come into the studio and for the first time in the six months that we had been practicing, and uh, so September to January, so what, like four or five months. Yeah. But in the time that we'd been practicing, it was always here. In the time that I've been coming in there for, you know, four years doing the locker room sports show, it was always there. The one night we came in to do the first Spooky South Coast, it was gone. <laughs> so scrambling to come up with something to do at 9 p.m. about how to fix this problem, I took my little digital recorder that I use for sports yep. interviews and we fed it into that and totally blasted it out. Yeah. Because we were up against the gun. We didn't have time to test it. And so that first episode is just completely washed. Yeah. It's um, yeah. it's just so uh, over the top. So it is out there. You can hear it. Keith Johnson gave us a great interview for as terrible as an interviewer as I was. But it just sounds a little crunchy if you're listening to it later on. And... Uh, also, we had a, a different co-host at that time because the late Evan Russo, who was training us to do this show, um, not going to, you know, say anything negative, but he kind of inserted himself into the program. Well, to be fair, he was basically given the task of babysitting right. you know, spooky self. I didn't, I didn't realize that when the program started that he was going to be hosting it. Yeah. Uh. Well, I, I get what the 
the station did. They didn't want to just totally hand. I don't the, think. I think it was just Evan did that. Oh, but the okay. um, <laughs> but anyway, so we we ended up you know figuring all that podcasting stuff out. Then we then we started deciding. Well, wait a minute. What if we could stream it live? What if we could have people listening yeah, live all over the world? That. Matt spent months researching yep. how to stream. And I know I've told this story on the show before, but I'll tell it again. He would come here, set everything up because I didn't know how to set up anything. And basically what would happen is I would have to start the show behind the board. Mm -hmm. He would have to run. He would drive back from here to my house, you know, almost in Buzzards Bay. And he would run up to my house, you know. I don't know. I don't remember if I gave him a key or if we or if we just the left the door open or whatever, because everybody else was in bed by ten o'clock. And he would run into my house, into my home office, and we had a radio that yep. was feeding out into a computer. Yep. So he would go and he would start the stream at ten p.m. at my house, and then he would come flying back here. I, I'm trying to think of why we had to do it that way. Why we couldn't set that up to happen here? Because we didn't have internet access here at that time. They, oh, if I recall correctly, yeah. Because if uh, uh, the engineer didn't trust, oh, anybody. there was there was probably no Wi-Fi back yeah. then. Well, that's what I'm saying. There was no internet yeah, access. Yeah, you had to be plugged yeah. into a. And, oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's probably pre-Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> that's how long we've been doing this. So. <laughs> Yeah, he would start that broadcast. He would start that stream, and he would come flying back, and then he would have to get back here by ten twenty three because by we had the automatic breaks that we had to right. take. So he would have to come back here to take the first commercial break because I didn't know how to go into break, like you know technically behind the board, and so it would just be a race for him every week, and it was ridiculous. But we tried it for a while, then we we then just, we got the Wi Fi here. <laughs> Right, that helped. <laughs> yeah. Then then we decided we were going to do uh, video streaming. Once the station brought in audio streaming. That that took a lot of setup. It did. And it, it, we started on, uh, I think we started on StickCam, which was the first site we were using. Then yep. we went from StickCam to Justin TV. Yep, I remember then that. Then there was another one that I don't even remember what it was. It didn't last that long. Yeah, and then, and then finally, you know, the YouTube thing started. And yep. I know everybody's, you know, wanting us to bring the YouTube back, and, and maybe we will. Uh, but the important thing is, you know, we were always trying to do something else. And those something else is that we tried to do, you know, Matt was the one that made it all happen. Yep. He was the genius behind everything here. But now all those things that we tried to do, they're commonplace now. You know, like one of the first things that Matt wanted to do as soon as we got the YouTube streaming was, well, now how do we bring the guest in as a video stream? So that now that we're we're running video of the program, how do we make it so that instead of just hearing a voice over a photo right. when they talk, how can we watch them? Trying to link them in through the Skype. And he's got multiple cameras and yep. things posted in and all that. And uh, and then he would sometimes he would do it in the post-edit afterwards. It was like a real pain. Now you look at StreamYard, yep. and everybody's just bringing people in via StreamYard all the time like it's nothing. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, not that, not that, um, not that I'm saying that we inspired all of this, but you know, we had to do it before it became popular. Yeah, or, we had or, the ideas anyway. Yeah. So, but you know, th this is the one time of year, by the way, where we we uh, we toot our own horns here on Spooky South Coast because it is our you know, our anniversary show, so we can talk about how awesome we are. Uh, but we won't just do that. The 
there's some other things that I want to talk about tonight. And I want to talk about something. First of all, it it was kind of the big subject for the last few weeks. And I don't know. I know, Moniz, you've been taking a, a social media break. So I don't know how much you've seen. That's why I've been feeling so much better. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> so much, much happier. I hate to. I, I guess I get a lot of surprising news for you. There's a COVID vaccine now. Uh, Donald Trump is not president. Joe Biden's president now. Uh, wait, you, wait. So you were able to actually follow things going on in the world without social media? No, I just haven't cared. You're looking at me like you know these things already. Like you don't need social media no, to inform I don't. your life. Uh, I know I was being sarcastic yeah. there, uh, but the. Although you didn't know that Paul Stanley had a soul album coming no, out. If that, you were, if that you were on you Facebook, you would have seen that, that already. you got me with. <laughs> but the, um, the, the, big th- the big buzz going around with a lot of our friends and, and followers is that, you know, they're very upset about what's going on with Discovery Plus. So if you haven't been keeping up on it, whether it's you or anybody in the audience, Discovery Networks started their own over-the-top streaming service. So it's just like sort a Netflix like Disney or Disney Plus, Plus you know, same or, same idea. Okay, it's something they hook you for more money. Got it. So it starts at $4.99 a month to get the, the okay. ad-supported version, and then it's $6.99 to get the, the ad-free version. But so they've, and everybody's wanted this for a while now. They've got this, this streaming service with the back catalog of all the stuff that Discovery offers. So stuff from all of their networks including a huge amount of paranormal content. You know, some of the, the the major shows, as much as Discovery owns, they've put their their back catalog up. So you can watch old Ghost Adventures, you can watch Ghost Asylum and Haunted Towns, and I'm trying to think of what else that they have. Um, the, you know, but there's there's a lot of paranormal yeah. content. The, the new Ghost Hunters, Ghost Nation, Kindred Spirits, that's all on there. So the streaming service was something everybody was excited for. Yeah, I, I got you. Yeah, it makes but, sense. But they also, Discovery said, we're going to double down on this, and all of the new episodes are only going to be released on the streaming service. So they were originally... So it's was, a lure. Yeah, we were originally going to get the back catalog and then special events and special series just for the streaming service. Like, we knew about that. There was a, there's, I think there's a Ghost Adventures special uh, that they were pushing, the one with the hotel where the... The Cecil? Yeah. So they pushed that as being like the big thing. The Amityville Horror Shock Doc, the Amityville House Shock Doc, you know, those were kind of the big streaming exclusives when they launched. And then there's another one that uh, launches this week, another Shock Doc, uh, The Exorcism of Roland Doe, which is all about the boy that inspired... The Exorcist case, mm-hmm. uh, and we might be talking about that next week. I'm working. Do you on, also have, I think, a cryptid thing going on a, a their own Bigfoot hunting show? I'm not, I think it's I, on, I know they have one coming out. I don't think it's it hasn't come no, yet. No, it hasn't come. Yeah, but I'm just saying they're, I think it's they're still February. diving into that genre. They're they're. I, I'm just waiting for the Paranormal Network to actually end up on on cable. Uh, you know, well, but th- that's the thing is, I think they're abandoning cable. So okay. that's that's kind of the way that it's going. Is they're saying, uh, you know, we're not doing, we're not doing the traditional network idea anymore. You know, because the same thing happened with WWE. WWE years ago had talked about starting their own cable network. 
And they looked into it. They looked into partnering with, uh, yeah, I know it's NBC Universal now, but I I forget who it was. It was at the time that they were discussing with it, but they were going to be bringing this in as their own channel, and then it would be something that cable networks would offer, and then you could subscribe. They were they weren't sure if it was going to be a a pay channel like an HBO or if it was going to be um, a channel that's on a tier that you have to order this additional tier to get. Okay. So what ended up happening is they abandoned that plan when over-the-top streaming became a thing, and they created their streaming network. And now they announced this week, this past week, that the WWE network is going away in the United States. Okay. They're getting rid of that because they signed a deal with the Peacock app, which is owned by NBC Universal, and... It's the WWE network is getting absorbed into Peacock in the U.S. So if you have Peacock already, you're going to have the WWE network now as part of your programming and get all the pay-per-views and all that stuff as part of your subscription. Great deal for people in the U.S., but okay. What, I'm, what this sounds like to me is it sounds like there's a bunch of we'll call it communications monopolies going on. They're, well, that's a whole different story. You there's, understand from yeah. what I'm trying to say, but there's yeah. been there's been monopoly going on with that for a long time, that right? They, but this is starting to seem like the, the the you got a couple of what I'll call larger houses gobbling up all of these other littler ones, and and the the other, I mean, we can even get into the fact that you know at, in New Bedford, for example, where a lot of our people are listening right now on WBSM, they can only get Comcast. Now that's a monopoly. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, to not be able to have a competitor, that's a monopoly. So, like, that's one of the things they got to work on is getting rid of those types of deals where they have exclusivity for a region. But that's a whole different thing. Yeah. And also, I'm Ed Markey, sorry. you know, Ed Markey spent years uh, trying to to get it passed where they couldn't force you to buy these carriages. Is what they call these tiers, yeah. these carriages. They they want to get rid of that and make it so you could buy a la, a la carte. carte. Yeah. And and they didn't get the support for that to be able to to make that you know the the law. So, but anyway, the idea is like, the, it looks like entertainment is getting away from the idea of needing to have a network and now providing people the content that they want on demand. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing for the consumer. The problem is they were not, you know, somebody had to be the first to say, okay, we're a TV network, but we're not going to put our TV shows on our TV network anymore. Somebody had to do it first because everybody's going to be doing it eventually. Mm-hmm. And so Discovery just happened to be first. And there's been a lot of backlash. And what's funny is that the backlash isn't really getting directed at the network. It's getting directed at the the uh, companies that make the content? No, it's getting directed at the people on the program. That's what I'm saying. The people that make the content. Like... It's not just the one. cast members of these right. shows are are suffering the ire of people that are upset about the idea of, you know, I can't watch my kindred spirits on TV tonight. I have to watch it on the app. So, and then, like, think about this. Do you really think that the cast members, uh, and again, I, I'm not speaking for them. I'm just making my own assumptions. Do you but think we, to be fair, we are involved quasi in the industry you a little bit more deeper than i but we know that we dealt with these people we understand that they're both they have to deal with these larger corporations they make the yeah they're at their mercy but do you do you think that they want to go and produce a tv show 
and then have it not air on television. I mean, obviously, consumers, they're on your side. Yeah. They want to have this air. They want to see, you know, the, the, the large audience come together. They want to be able to interact, live tweet, all of that stuff, because that's what makes it fun, right. you know, when you're, when you're doing the program. So, you know, they're not, and they're trying to come up with ideas. They're, you know, I noticed that, uh, that Jason Hawes was talking about this, and I saw Amy posting about it, where they're doing, like, watch parties. Yeah. Where they say, okay, it drops on Saturday, the new episode, we're all going to pick a time, and that's when everybody's going to stream it at the same time, and then we're going to live tweet it during that. And that's a great solution. Uh, it's still not as good as, you know, when it airs on the network and everybody can talk about it as right. it happens. But now he here's what bothers me about this, though. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not. I, I, listen, I know this is the future. And I like I said, somebody had to be the first. So I'm I'm not down on the idea of what they're doing. What I'm down on is the idea of how it hasn't really been properly explained to the consumer. And one of the things that the consumers are getting upset about is now the networks are saying, well, the episodes will debut on the streaming service, but then at some point we'll run them on the network. Because now that's making it makes no sense whatsoever. Because now you're saying you have to get the network to see the brand new show, but then it's going to eventually Air, be on yeah, TV. TV. So if you're somebody that's a casual fan, then you're going to say, I'll just wait till it's on TV. I heard this argument once before, and uh, <laughs> and again, showing my age. This had to do with HBO. Oh, I don't have to go to the theater anymore. I can sit home and wait six months, and it'll be on my television. So this has happened before, if you want to look at it that way. And it has, not only has it happened before, it's been the natural now progression the every yeah, time that, I get it. every time there's been something. So the, the, the biggest problem is that as it happens, you know, it, it's going to be an adjustment for everybody. And as that adjustment needs to happen, they have to go through all the permutations that can come up right. as a result of it to try to, you know, figure it out. And so there's going to be, you know, permutations of this that are going to make people upset. And I think... Well, like anything new that you try and do, you're going to wind up with, you know, bumps in the road because it's new territory. You don't know what to expect. I think four ninety nine a month to get access to this is a good... It, it's, it's not a bad price plan at all uh when you look at the price of other streaming services and when you look at what you actually get from discovery plus and i'm not just saying that because i just filmed season two of hotel paranormal and i hope it ends up on <laughs> discovery plus or travel channel one way or the okay. other isn't uh, that owned by the same company uh no it's produced by a uh, by a canadian network no 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 uh, isn't discovery oh, discovery and travel yeah, yeah. It's, that's one of the channels of yeah. discovery networks but they're they're Hotel Paranormal still looking for a U.S. buyer for season two, so yep. I don't I don't want to I don't want to be it. the guy that throws the monkey wrench in the Travel Channel deal. But the um <clears throat> the the part that is concerning is that you know for the four ninety nine a month you've got Verizon saying, well we're going to give you a free six months or free year whatever it is that they're giving out to their customers. And then, you know, Comcast not doing anything to do that. But what's going to end up happening is you're going to see these cable networks that start doing this. They're going to start upping their carriage fees. 
as the viewers drop off from the networks that are going to these apps. So, okay, you know, let's just say 25% of the audience for Discovery Network says, we're all in on this on the streaming service. We're going to go get that. We're going to not watch the TV networks anymore. And so the ad revenue will go down because with so less eyeballs. Go, then you're going to wind up with these cable services being just strictly streaming services. Well, they're still going to have the, the networks because they have um, to have something. The, your networks are just going to be streams at some point. That you, you understand what I'm saying? I, I do, but they, but it still has to have the, the advertising in. and right. the model- so, they're, so they're advertising in, in each individual, we'll call it app, that you're getting through your streaming service. So the model is that they, <clears throat> the way that, the, the, the ad revenue is generated is based on the ratings, and the ratings are based on a very antiquated system. Yeah, They well, still rely on Nielsen, which oh is God. ridiculous. There are people... So everybody thinks that if they, if they have a cable box and they watch... And I'm just going to use it as an example because it was on Saturday nights. You know, Ghost Adventures. On a Saturday night, that if they watch that Saturday night episode of Ghost adventures they count toward the viewership and they also think that if they you know watch it they've learned because you know the paranormal tv personalities have told us this you if you don't watch it live and you dvr it you have to watch it within the first three days for it to count mm -hmm. so they think that those are the big numbers that make a difference for cable okay and they're part of it they have been smart enough to realize that, yes, we can pull that data from the cable boxes and know who's watching, but they still rely very much so on those Nielsen numbers, which Nielsen means uh, it, people are selected, and then they have a box installed in their house that monitors what it is that they watch. Very antiquated system, and they still count so much of that, they, they weight that heavily in the rating system. So rather than just say, let's just go by the data we can collect from cable boxes, they still look at that because the advertising world is still so based in those numbers too. And it's created this like muddled up system where you could say to somebody, well, Nielsen wise, this show doesn't do great numbers. But when you look at the, the live viewership and the DVR, you know, live plus three, when yeah. you look at all of that, you'll say, well, the viewership is so much more. All of that creates confusion. When you say to somebody, we have this streaming service. Here's how many people we have subscribed. And out of those subscribers, here's how many of those watch this program. That makes a huge difference. And the other thing is with these streaming services, the ads can all be programmatic. So as a, if you're a business, if you're running, you know, Matt Moniz's cleaning service, I can try to sell you that ad and you can tell me I want to have people in this zip code, this zip code, this zip code, this zip code, and households that make this much money or more, and also have a dog. Yeah. Like, you could really drill down all of the demographics that you want, and then we could service that ad just to those people that you want to see it. So you get more bang for your buck. You're not wasting your money On showing your ad to people shotgun, that will never use. Yeah, the old shotgun type of advertising. And that is going to be hugely beneficial to these networks. But the problem is, is the regular broadcast Revenue goes down because people are going to the streaming service. They're not going to spend as much money on the broadcast advertising, which means in order to keep those networks on TV, 
they're going to have to raise the carriage fees, which means they're going to pass them the money on to the cable networks to have those networks involved. That's why you keep having these these arguments that happen between networks and cable companies where they say, if you don't write to Comcast and tell them that you want to keep this network, it's going to go away. Like, that's what this is all about. It's those carriage fees. So they're going to drive up that carriage fee. And who do you think is going to pay that? Comcast, Verizon, they're not going to say, oh, well, I guess that's just the cost of doing business. We'll pay them more. No, they're going to pass that on to the consumer. Mm -hmm. And now your cable prices are going to go up. And that's not even to get into the fact that now we're trying to push you all to get this Discovery Plus app. Verizon's giving it to you for free. Comcast is not. But Comcast says, okay, well, you're going to pay $4.99 a month to get the programs that you want to get from the channel that you were watching on this. Oh, and by the way, we're also capping your data now. So you're going to go away from watching these shows on our channel and use them on this streaming service, eating up the data so that when you reach your limit, we're going to charge you more for the data. Now, I know that Comcast just said they're putting a pause on the data cap uh, because of the pandemic and everything, only after everybody railed against them. And by the way, if you are listening to this and you are suffering from that data cap, then please write to Comcast, call Comcast. They're doing a lot to help reverse some of that. So it's worth spending the time on the phone to try to get them to, to wipe away maybe some of the charges you already absorbed or to make sure that you don't incur any more. But the more people complain about this, the more they're going to realize we this is a stupid idea. Like, we can't cap people's data like this. Especially people who have purchased unlimited data. Yeah. And they find out that unlimited doesn't mean unlimited. And, it, and really, for any service, unlimited doesn't mean unlimited. It throttles it down once you've hit a certain peak. But still, uh, fight for, you know, fight for getting the value out of it because... This is, it's such a money grab type of situation to say, and maybe I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I've been reading up on it as much as I can, but I don't think that it really costs them more to have people using more data necessarily because of the fact that, you know, they've got so many users. And so it's not like it's, it's not like it's really upping the cost of them doing business. They're just doing this because they can't. And they're doing it at a time that's not a good time to do it for people. When everybody's working at home, when kids are learning remotely, and also when they're trying to convince everybody to drop your cell phone carrier and get your phone from Comcast, which that network is reliant on the Wi-Fi routers of everybody that is a Comcast customer. I don't know if you're familiar with the Comcast mobile um, plan. I've seen advertisements for it, but again, so, how, how long did it take for me to actually get a smartphone? How long did it take for me to get a regular phone, never well, mind a smartphone? So if the Comcast router has two bands on it, the one that works in your home yep. and the one that's available to the public, and that public router helps build their, their cellular network. So when you're out driving around, you're talking on your Comcast phone, the network that you're using is built on what's coming out of those Wi-Fi routers. And then I, you know, they so have, your neighborhood is basically powering your your phone, pretty much. So you're going to put data caps on people on their end of it, on their private 
Wi-Fi version of that. But you're not going to put the caps on the other one because you need that to go out to fuel. So it just, to me, it all just seems like one big scam. And it's, I know Congress is a little busy right now with a lot of things going on, but uh, this is something that Congress needs to, to investigate and look into. And I think we, I think by the end of the year, you're going to see that happen. So. Yeah. Something the FCC should be dealing with. By the way, this is, uh, you know, not so much paranormal talk, but it does relate back to the paranormal. Well, it relates to how a show works. Especially because we're going to have more and more of this stuff happening. We're going to have more and more of these streaming over-the-top services, and that's where we're going to want to get our content from. So it's good that we can, you know, educate people in advance of all of that happening. Plus, well, I want to make sure that if Hotel Paranormal ends up on Discovery Plus, you all have it by then. <laughs> well, getting back to us in 15 years, what were some of the other shows that stand out in your mind that, you know, really made an impact for you? Radio or? Yeah, uh, us uh, over the over the past 15 years. Oh, episodes of our yeah. program? Um <clears throat> well, the live radio drama will always be one. Yeah. And uh, a the, few others. Yeah. The War of the Worlds hoax. That, that one was good. We ran that on Midnight FM on Halloween. Oh, did you? Yeah. And uh, and so a bunch of people got to hear that for the first time. And yeah, I'm still, I, I listened to it again as it was happening. And I was like, this is, this is really good. <laughs> like, <laughs> Especially because we know, like not, again, yeah. it is not trying to, you know, be conceited, but we know the ins and outs of how it came to be. And the fact that we basically put that all together in the a five minute, before? no, in a five <laughs> yeah. minute conversation that yeah. morning at the diner. Yeah. As you were eating your breakfast uh, and and I left poor Matt, you know, cooking on a Saturday morning by himself. <laughs> yeah. And you and I are sitting out there like plotting out what to do, <laughs> but it was mostly just improv. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I was listening back to how, you know, we threw Peter Robbins on the air with no prep, Chris Balzano on the air with no prep. Lucky. Lucky. But at least at least Lucky had the advantage of talking with you and yeah. having an idea of what it was. Like, uh, you know, with Peter and, and Chris, it was just it was like, we're just going to call you and yeah. this is what's going on. Just yeah. make something up. Um, and then all the little, like, Easter eggs we put in yep. to what we were talking about to, to relate back to the original War of the Worlds. Uh, so, that yeah, that one will always be a, a proud one for me. But we used to take a lot of chances. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we, we're we busy now. We're lazy now. That's part of it, too. But <laughs> we also used to, you know, we were very hungry to get stuff out there because it was, you know, we were trying to get people to pay attention to us. And now there's so much, you know, paranormal radio content for people to consume that the things that we were trying that we thought were original are probably things that people are doing already anyway. Yeah. But, uh, you know, remember the Roswell Smackdown? Yeah. That was a fun one where we imagine doing that now, how easy it would be to have people oh, voting God. during the show. Oh, God. But it was so annoying to try to collect the votes. Uh, we were going round for round and having the listeners vote on who won each round of this, you know, debating the facts of the Roswell case. And, you know, we're like refreshing the message board and all kinds of things. <laughs> the message board. So, well, well, we're going to take a break here. When we come back after the news, uh, I want to talk to Moniz about something 
Uh, again, not to make everything about Midnight Society, especially on the 15th anniversary so of Spooky, Spooky South, South Coast, Coast. but yeah. um, I did talk to a guest recently who told me some interesting alien-related things about myself. So I want to share that with you and get your reaction to it. And, uh, and I think all of you out there will want to hear this as well. So we'll take a break and then back with more Spooky South Coast. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk Entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Spooky South Coast here on WBSM and streaming simulcasting on Midnight FM. And it is our 15th anniversary show. We are celebrating 15 years on the air here at WBSM. I think they forgot we're still here. Here's the advantage, too, is now that I'm the guy that runs the website. Yep. Like, I'm the one that keeps us on the schedule. So, like, really nobody knows we're here now. There you go. Because before, like, the only people that knew we were here were the person that was, like, running the website saying, hey, do you guys still go in? Like, every every couple of months, I'd get a, an email. Do you guys still do the show? Uh, yeah. You know, because you know what's most scary? of the people that work here are asleep by 10 o'clock at night. I, I think there's only, like, two or three people here now that started when we were here. There were only two people in the building. M- might be three. But the only two people that work in the building that were here when we started. Yeah, Phil Paleologus. Phil wasn't here. Phil you came sure? after we started. Yep. Oh, wow. Phil used to be at the other station in town. And so he came after we started. And then... But he's relatively soon after we started. Um. Yeah, probably a couple of years in. Yeah. And then... Uh, so Ken Pittman was here. I don't know if he was here... No, he was here in 2005. Yeah. So, um, so it's him. He's he's here on Saturdays now. Uh, it is me. I've been here since 2002, and I've, I've actually, I believe, I've been here the second longest behind Michael Rock. So, not that I have been necessarily continuously employed here. Yeah, but I've been continuously on the air here, because when the locker room started, you know, I wasn't an employee here. I was just doing that as you know, standard time sports writer Tim Weisberg. Got it. But contributor. Yeah, and uh, and then um, we have uh, there might be a salesperson that I think might have been here. I don't know how long she's been here, but I'll have to find out. But in terms of like air staff, Michael Rock and I have been on the longest. So. 
And he started, I don't remember what year he started, but he's he's been around for quite a while. Because when I was doing The Locker Room, that's when KKB started. Oh God! Yeah. Which was in the back, and he yeah. was he was the morning show host there. And before that, he had been on Fun One Hundred and Seven, so he's been around for for quite a while. But you know, not to not to make him feel old, <laughs> but generally, you know, fifteen years for any radio program is, is a big deal. Yeah. yeah, I remember when we used to come in here in the early days, <clears throat> and they used to have the Bruce Calvers Nostalgia Times program on Saturday Sunday mornings, and we would come in, and every year Bruce would have his new anniversary show poster because he would put out a flyer yep. for uh because he did a big to do every time he used to be up in the window in mm-hmm. the back yep. yeah and so like he had like his you know like ninth anniversary 10th anniversary wow imagine if we could get to being on the air for 10 years <laughs> and and i was thinking about it this show in, an, in a year and a half will be legally old enough to drive wow so i, I don't know if i would still trust it behind the wheel but you know We'll see what happens when it starts to take lessons. But yeah, that's that's a long time, and we didn't expect to be on the air this long. Uh, there's been times when it's been a struggle to still come in and do the show. Like, I'm not going to lie. But yeah. the the fact that, you know, after all these years, we've got people that are listening that we're still, that we're listening on day one, that are still listening to this program. Yeah. You know, Luann, she still listens all the time. Hi, Luann. Mark, the Paranormal Pirate. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dave Francis, like I don't want to, I don't want to start naming everybody because I know I'll forget people. But Carl, remember Carl? Yep. Our uh, who made the first ever spooky South Coast fan site, still a listener. Wow. Still, yeah, talk to him quite often. Uh, so there's, you know, there's there's a family that's been built up here, and and it and it's only grown over the years. So, you know, that's what keeps us doing this. Uh, <laughs> certainly not the money because we don't get any. But the um the uh, the idea that we can have an outlet to talk about these topics where we wouldn't necessarily have a chance to talk about them anywhere else and certainly wouldn't have people that are willing to listen to us talk about them in other places. And that brings me up to something that happened the other night on Midnight Society. Okay. And I have not mentioned this to you off the air because I wanted to bring it up to you on the air and kind of get your raw reaction to it. All right. Shall I do a drum roll? No, no, no. But I can provide you with the audio of the program if you want to hear it. But um, basically, last week on Midnight Society, I left here. Oh, I meant to bring in my newest purchase, too, uh, so I could show it to you. I bought a Ouija board. That's nothing new. We have several of them that we use. This one was, it was um, put up in a Facebook group for sale the gentleman found it in his house in middleborough and his wife didn't want it in the house so he knew that it had some value and all you know even though like he wanted to get it out of the house he he wanted to get something for it and he put it up for fifty dollars all right and i thought about trying to like argue him down on it because he said it was from 1918 oh so I was like, well, I don't know if I want to, you know, like, whatever. So I did just... Did you contact Merch? Well, I did after the fact. I okay. ended up purchasing the, the board because I want a wooden one. You know that yeah, I've wanted yeah, a nice yeah, wooden one, but I, I don't... have that for a long time. I, you know, I have a nice wooden one that, that Danny Perez made, Danny Radical, but I wanted one that was an original, yep. authentic, vintage board. So I purchased this board from this gentleman, 
And I brought it home, took some photos, and I tagged Merch in the photos. And I said, you know, he says he's from. It's from 1918. Can you, can you confer confirm that? And he actually wrote back, and he's like, actually, it looks more like a 1911. It's the one that was made between 1911 and 1914, an original William Fold. So mm. he's like, good, good, you know, good find, yeah. So, and and I found out it's it's worth a lot more than I paid for it. Um, it's not in it's not in bad shape, but it's got a few cracks. Yeah, uh, well, but nothing. It's over a hundred years old, right? Nothing know, that so. makes it that that's not operational for sure. Not that I've tried it yet. <laughs> but so I purchased that. I think I picked it up on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then on Thursday I had to leave to go to New York to film Hotel Paranormal season two, because did you go to Lilydale? No, we went to uh, a town called Suffern, New York, which is just over the Tappan Zee Bridge. Okay. Well, not the Mario Cuomo Bridge. Yeah. Oh, well. But it's just over the bridge. So the idea was they wanted to find a smaller town, but that had facilities that they could use where they could get a team because the production is from Toronto, but they couldn't bring us into Toronto like they did last year. And they couldn't come to Toronto because of the, the border yeah. laws with COVID. So... They brought us to this to this location, and it's actually a, a, a very orthodox Jewish town. So on the Thursday night that I, you know, I got in Thursday. So everything shut down. Oh, I was starving Thursday night because yeah. I didn't get a chance to eat dinner. You know, I had to rush back. If it get would there. be orthodox, it would also. It's sundown on Friday. Friday. Yeah. So at 1.30 in the morning on Thursday into Friday, so 1.30 Friday morning, as soon as I got off the air. I was starving. I went out looking for something that was open. There's, there was a Jewish deli that was open until 3.30 in the morning. And it was packed. There was like tons of people. So I, I got myself a nice brisket sandwich and some sweet noodle kugel. Okay. Some some matzo ball soup. So yeah, no, right. I was all excited. <laughs> but then Friday night, I was like, I can't find anything to eat anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Even even the Wendy's, the girl on the sign had the you know the the braids. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's an yeah, exaggeration. I got, I got you. But um, the Burger King wore a yarmulke instead of a crown. But oh, the um, come on. I can make these jokes. Yeah, I know. I so, but the the town was beautiful. Uh, it was really you know very nice people. The the Seven Eleven at two in the morning it was just insane with people like all you know happy good you know yeah. you know it wasn't bad but it was just so busy. Anyway. Um, I didn't tell you that as I was driving down there. So everybody was telling, warning me like this Ouija board was going to give me bad luck. I don't know. So I picked up my rental car Thursday in Plymouth. And it was, it was a procedure. I had to take an Uber there because there's nowhere to leave your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't putting the miles on my car to drive to New York. So uh, production had rented me a vehicle. And when I got there, they're like, oh, it's a brand new Hyundai Elantra. It only has 6,000 miles on it. Really nice ride. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, what mattered to me more was, you know, how much gas am I going to have to put in this thing because... It's small enough. should be relatively... Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. It, and, and, and production was reimbursing me, but, you know... You still had to I, expense up I just wanted, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to be economical. And then, <clears throat> you know, I'm not trying to cost them. I'm not like, hey, I want you to give me like a SUV so that it costs $80 in gas when it could have yeah. cost 30 So the... Because, um, you know, I want to show that I care about saving them some money so that they keep me coming back. I get to uh, just about like Greenwich, Rhode Island area, and all of a sudden the transmission is now it was weird the whole time I was driving because when I got to when I got on the highway, I put it on cruise control, and it was doing that thing you know sometimes cruise control like it yeah. kind of bucks a little bit yeah 
So I'm like, okay, it's probably just a problem with the cruise control. So I turned that off and I'm just driving regular. And then I got to about Greenwich, Rhode Island. And the tachometer starts, you know, uh, topping out. Like, what's going on here? And I'm like stepping on the gas and like nothing's happening. I'm like, this is weird. So the car has these different electronic modes. So I come out of smart mode and I go into regular mode and it, is okay for a second. And then the same thing happens. And then I go into sport mode, the same thing. Like, you know, so I'm like, this, something's odd. So I pull over into the breakdown lane, turn it off. And then I restart it, not in smart mode. So that maybe that was part of the problem. And it's fine for a few minutes. And then the same thing starts to happen. So I go off the road. Like I'm getting to the point where like, I can't, like I'm afraid to go through an intersection because there's no acceleration. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on. So I call them. They're going to send out a tow truck, but it's going to take like an hour for the tow truck. I'm like, I don't have this much time. Uh, I had to be in New York by 10 o'clock at night. Now, this is only three or four in the afternoon. Should be fine. But I also didn't want to get stuck in rush hour traffic. Oh, yeah. So especially going over like the Tappan Zee Bridge, you know? Yep. So I call. They said, if you can get it seven miles to the next enterprise, we'll just swap it out. So I was like, I don't think it'll make it, but I tried anyway. So I had to basically drive back to TF Green. And every time I go through a, go through a uh, intersection, doing that thing where you're like yeah, kind on, of bucking on. yourself on the seat <laughs> to try to make it go forward. But I made it there. And uh, they ended up throwing me in a Dodge Caravan, which whatever. But so I got there. And then everybody was teasing me that it's cause it was because of the Ouija board. <laughs> and then uh, Lisa Schnurr, who hosts a program on Midnight FM before mine called Haunted Librarian, she had this thing happen where she was interviewing her guest and everybody could hear her, but not the guest. And she didn't do anything differently than she normally does. So she was blaming my Ouija board for that too. So hopefully it wasn't really the board, but anyway, I have that now. Um, but Thursday night, my guest on the program was Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. And Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, she focuses on frequency. And how we can use frequency to heal ourselves and we can use frequency to kind of raise up our consciousness. And uh, y y listen, I'm not trying to disparage her in any way, but I saw her Twitter and um, she believes in a lot of out, very out there theories. She believes in a lot of the stuff like, you know, the cabal and all that kind of stuff. It, it was very QAnon kind of things. Um, but... One of the things that she asked was for me to send her a photo of myself and a photo of my house. And she has this machine that does these scans of the photos and she can read the scans and the auras and all these things and, and it gives her insight into the person. So I sent her the, the photos and she sent back, you know, what the scans look like, and I don't know what it means, you know, like lines drawn on yeah. it, but she's going to explain it all on the air. So, and we put them up on the site for people to see. I put up the scan of me. I I'm, wasn't going to share the scan of my house because uh, yeah, privacy I, reasons. I got you. But the, um, as she's reading the scan, she's talking to me about like what kind of person I am. She picks up on different stuff about me through the scan. Okay, all right, that's great. Um, and then she kept making references because she deals a lot with extraterrestrials. And she kept making references to extraterrestrials during the discussion. I was like, I don't want you to, like, 
I don't want to know about this if it has anything to do with me. She's like, well, we'll, we'll wait till we get into your scans. Wait until we get into your scans. So she basically told me that not only have I been taken all my life, that apparently I'm taken every night. Now, I'm speaking to someone who has actually gone through that experience. With witnesses. Now, do you think that it is possible that what she's saying is true, that I've been taken every night for most of my life and I have no no inkling of that? Uh, if you want my honest opinion, it is, we'll say, possible if you're looking at what has been known to be uh, talked about and uh, we'll, we'll call it experiencing experiencer circles. It's not necessarily that you're physically taken. Uh, a lot of experiences are basically there. Your spirit, your consciousness, your ka, or whatever you want to call, you know, the, the thing that inhabits the meat puppet is what's in a sense being taken. Um, is she right there? Yeah, that is a possibility. Is it? And she did, I, she did reference that too because I had mentioned, you know, uh, uh, I'm I'm tethered to a CPAP machine. Yeah, and she did say it doesn't have to be your physical body right. that's being taken. Right. So, is she saying something that is known in literature and lore and and with other experiencers? Yes. You want my personal opinion? I doubt you're being taken every night since I've met you. I, I have known you have been, we'll, we'll call it, touched by them. And not in a, not, you understand what I'm saying. Right, but not you know. not in the way that I, you know, need to point out on the doll. Right. But the, the, the problem is, you've been trying to tell me for years this stuff, and I always shut you down every time that you try to. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest I, with you. And, that's what, and I haven't pushed you either, have I? No, but I'm going to be honest with you too. I still don't believe it. So I'm just, I'm just bringing up You're what the discussion You're not the one that was. has to. They are. I'm just I'm just bringing up the discussion. Although I have realized that a lot of the I start, so I started looking into some of the the tropes that people who have these experiences will have occurring in their dreams again and again okay. as as like these screen yeah. memory dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and I you. I do realize that when I've talked about my dreams to people that don't believe in extraterrestrials in any way. When I've talked to them about them, they have said, oh, that's interesting. Like, I don't, that's not really anything that I've heard of. Or, you know, that doesn't usually happen. It's usually more this way. So that was always kind of something that I was like, well, I'm just going to dream differently than people. But when you start to look at some of the tropes that appear in experiencer dreams, they are kind of similar. Very, very consistent. They may, you know, it, the bird may be a different color, but it's always a bird. Like the one, the one recurring theme in my dreams throughout my entire life, and especially in the last few years, is I, I and I think I've told you this before, I've never ever dreamed of a house that I actually live in. So I've never had a dream that takes place in my house. Uh, 
couple of episodes ago, you were talking about the one in Buzzards Bay, and and, and but it's not yeah. quite the same, right? There's a difference to it. Yeah. Well, I talked about the the real life experiences I had in that house. Yeah, that too. But you know, I remember the other ones that you were talking about. Was but uh, and I'm talking about au pair even, between us, right? Even even if it was a house that I had lived in in the past, it didn't look the same. Right. But I do always, you know, there there is like, oh, I've I've lived in this house before in a dream. Um, not that I'm aware that it's a dream, but it's 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 yeah. re- it's recognizable to me as having appeared in other dreams. So I've discovered that that is kind of one of the tropes that you are you're not supposedly where you are is being presented to you as this house that you've never been to before. And but it's familiar to you, and you know it as a. It's as usually in in these dreams. It's usually yeah. a new house that I've just moved into. Um. And then there's always the rooms that you don't go into. Correct. So that part, and that's another part of the trope, the rooms that you don't go into. Uh, so anyway, like that kind of comes into it. But one of the new things that I've noticed in my dreams is I keep getting startled awake by noises. In the dream itself that's waking you or is it outside? I'm not sure. Okay. So... I don't know. Okay. This is the. <laughs> so it's just me and the dog. You know that. Yep. And I am awoken by the dog barking. But then when I, you know, and usually when my dog barks, it's because she's waking me up because she wants she to go out. Yeah. So I get up and I walk out of my bedroom and the dog. She has her own bed on the living room floor. She's not supposed to be on the couch, but whenever I'm not around, she gets up on the couch. Uh, it's a dog. They do that. Yeah. So I will get up and she's kind of a heavy sleeper. So as I'm getting up and walking out of my room, I don't stir her because um, she's out in the living room, which is right off to my yeah. room. Yeah. And when I go out, she's out like a light on the couch. So it's not my dog that's barking. It could be her. Now, bear in mind, dogs will bark in their sleep. So I, I used to have a dog that did that. Trying, they're laying on their side, their feet are running, and they're barking away. But they're she does that. She, she just kind of like in her dreams, but like she's, I've never heard her outright bark. I ha- I've heard dogs outright bark in their sleep. Tonight, earlier, I fell asleep on the couch, like watching TV, dozed off at like three. I've also been like insanely tired lately, um, but I, I I got up off the couch at around five, went in and laid down on my bed and fell asleep until about eight o'clock. Woke up at eight o'clock to what sounded like the loudest, angriest bark my dog has ever made and very loud, like as if she was in the room. Got up, went out, she was asleep on the couch. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if it's just part Does of my your dream. Do have dogs? Uh, they do, but they're not, they don't sound like her. You know Ruby. Ruby yeah, has a very uh, yeah, distinct she's part. She's Bassett, right? Part yeah. Bassett. And, um, and this, and, and the dog, so the dog that's behind me, I wouldn't hear. And then the other dog next to me is too far away. So I can hear them like if they're out in the yard, but it sounds like a dog out in the yard through a yeah. closed window. This was like it was in, in the, the same house. room, uh, yeah. And it was it was enough that it startled me awake. 
So I don't know if it was in the dream or if it was real or anything like that. You know, in in my in the back of my mind, I thought of the possibility of because it was the it was the someone is in the house kind of bark. And so in the back of my mind, I was like, somebody was in the house and then put her to sleep before I got up. That is well known in abduction cases. And animals being rendered inert as well as other, you know. Like it was kind of like the, oh, crap, we forgot that he has a dog. Yeah. yeah. Kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> it's making it harder for me to sleep. Apparently, now, depending upon which abductees have what pets and stuff like that, one of the other weird ones that they apparently don't have the ability or limited ability is to put cats out. Well, I mean, I could also understand the need not to. It's not like the cat's really going to, you know, make a lot of noise. Oh, the, you ever heard of scared cat? They make a hell of a racket. Yeah, but it's not the same as, as the dog to me. Like, no. okay. if my cat was making a bunch of noise and I was asleep, it wouldn't wake me up. My dog barking wakes me up. You know, and I, I always had this. It's, it's probably, you know, part of an innate ability that parents have. But, you, you I mean, you know I have no, sleep yeah. issues and I'm a yep. very deep sleeper. And I've probably fallen asleep in the car with you. Dude, and we've shared hotel rooms. You know, both true. of yeah. us are when we, yeah. So, but you know that like I'm when I'm out, I'm out. Yeah, that and, makes two of us. And when I, I've had sleep studies done. When I go to sleep, I instantly fall into REM four. In fact, the sleep technician, the last time I had a sleep test, said I've never seen anybody fall into REM four like you do. So, it, it's it's I'm I'm always going to be a deep sleeper, even taking a nap, um, but. Trying to think of where I was going with that. It, dog barking and oh, yeah. so when, but when my son was younger, he could be in his room, and I could be in the deepest sleep, you know, that I'm always in, and all he had to do was just say, "Dad," Boop. and pff, I was up and I was in his room, like it was always kind of that that yeah that ability. So I don't know if you know if I've lost any of that or if some of that is you know transferred to other things maybe the, if the dog barks you know it brings me out like that I don't know all I know is it seems like lately I can't fall asleep until it's like really really late and I know part of that is because I've been you know napping earlier but there's there's I'm I'm wondering if there's a window that I'm avoiding a window of time yep. that I'm avoiding sleeping during that's about as far down that road as I want to go. That's a discussion we can have out there. Uh, we do have a call on the line, so uh, and I think I know who it is. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hello. What's shaking, Playboy? Hey, Lamone, how are you? Tonight? What's up, Playboy? Uh, just living and loving. Did you show him the pictures I sent you that I had? I have not Did yet, no. Oh, show him. Show him those pictures, yeah. And it's like, um, all right, now you were talking about... Uh, about but I know when I was younger, I used to, I had things happen to me where I found out I was abducted when I was younger, and it used to happen all the time. I remember before it would happen, I would look at the ceiling. The ceiling was like it's water, and I'm sucked up to the ceiling. And so, and that would happen to me for a long time. This when I was like uh, twelve. This is before I was twelve years old. Uh, I was out of the Valley of Fire, 
And um, I was up with a couple of my friends, their uncle and their dad. We built a camp, put up a camp, and the Valley Fire is like not that far from Las Vegas. But what I remember, we were, me, and the, me and the brothers were walking, hiking, and I walked up this hill and saw a big ball of flame. I'm going to say it must have been like maybe 10 feet in circumference. And it was tumbling through the valley, but it was like maybe four feet off the floor, off the ground. It was tumbling, and I remember seeing it shoot up. And I said, I guess that's why they call it the Valley of Fire. Then all of a sudden, I, 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 was, I was out like a light. And um, next thing I know, it was like maybe five or six hours later, that they had the uh, park range and stuff looking for me, and, and I was I came back walking into camp, and so my my father and mother were still working for the government. You know, my dad was in the Air Force for twenty five plus years, and he's working for the government for another, like another uh, fifteen twenty years after that. And so what happened? Um, I uh, when I when I came back, I had something on my arm, and I took and showed my mother and father. They took me to the, the Nellis Air Force Base hospital. They kept me there for like three days. Did test on me. Did, did like a, on the thing right there, and it's like um, they didn't put me in hypnosis to see what I remembered. And so like, then after they came and got me that that Friday, we never talked about it again until after. It was like, literally, it was like my dad died two days after Father's Day, and it was the year my mother died the year beforehand. And I want to say like, so uh, let's say it was probably that Friday before he died. And so you know, Father's Day was that Sunday. So anyway. So I talked to him about it. He says, yeah. He said, they said nothing like that would happen to our family members. Hmm. And so, and so, and it's like, so he knew about what was going on. He knew what it was. And so, but that was the only time we even talked about it. And so uh, I know that um, what I was always told, like, you know, if I had, if I was scared by anything, the thing attacked me or assaulted me like that, just call upon the Lord. And so, like, I had times where I was, I would be with, I would like have a company, you know, female company, company. Um, I would, uh, we would be sleeping. The girls would be like laying next to me and I'm gone through the ceiling again and stuff. I've had clothes, when I come back, clothes backwards, stuff on me and things like that. <laughs> so what happened, they, t um, so one time, this is, uh, I want to say like maybe, um, well, it was probably like maybe 12, 13 years ago. No, let's say about, yeah, about 14 or so years ago. I was, uh, I, I was over somebody's house, and and I heard heard that sometimes when things are about to happen, you get a certain feeling. You feel things, stuff. You feel the hair on the back of your neck start standing up. I felt things. I saw something walking towards us, and I and I said, and I, I said, I said, Lord, give me the strength, Lord Jehovah. I said that, and all of a sudden it disappeared. So I haven't had any problems with them coming at me again like that. But that to me seems like it was something demonic. And it's like I said, any other time I never called, called upon the Lord because I thought it was something completely different. I thought alien, alien. I was thinking demonic. But when I called upon the Lord, like I said, I haven't had no problems with that. But I've been around a lot of people that I had. And, I've, you know, when you've got that connection with people that have had that, those experiences, you know, like, for instance, oh, oh. So like uh, when I had, when I went for my sleep studies, okay. Uh, for the CPAP machine, so I got my CPAP also. But I went in and was talking to the lady. I said, hey, um, do you have people talking about coming in here and saying, like, oh, make sure nothing comes and happens to me because I've been abducted by aliens. They said, don't talk so loud. She said, be quiet, don't say nothing. And so what happened, I was in the room, and I was I was, was falling asleep, and all of a sudden heard some go, oh, oh, like that. Oh, I could go like that. And it was getting closer to my ear, to my left ear. I was laying there, and all of a sudden, I saw something grab me by my left leg. It was trying to pull me off the bed. And, oh, oh, 
and I caught upon the Lord again. And then all of a sudden, the light came on from outside. The lady walked in. They're watching on the camera, you know, the night vision camera. So they were watching it, what was going on. So they walked in, the light came shining in like that. And it was like, oh, that was such a, felt so, so lethal. And so I, when they went back, I threw my, said my prayers, never had anything to happen after that, at least there. And it's like, but that was something that was in there that, did you hear, like, I want to say 2012, this one guy, this kid, a black kid, I want to say he was like 25 years old. He died doing a sleep studies thing. He said, no, I don't want to go back and go back under. He said, no, he said, let me sit on the side of the bed. I don't want to lay down. But there was something that there, he died from that. And so I figured that was something like what happened to me. And I feel like I said, I felt it. And this young girl just started working there. She was like scared. She was shaking when she was, when I was talking. So you saw what happened. She shook her head, nodded her head, yes, and, and, kept it, and pretended like she wasn't talking to me. And so they weren't supposed to talk about it. And I told my doctor, I said, I'd like to get a copy of that. And they said they were going to send it to my doctor. My doctor never gave it to me. Bastard. But, well, I, I, like I, said, but I mean, I want to see what happened. I know, but I, I know something was there, and I, caught, and I, I wasn't scared, but I was like, when it got into my ear, it was like right in my ear and it was pulling me up by the leg, pulling me by my leg. That's when I called upon the Lord. And, all, and, that, and then the door opened and it was like the light came in from outside. I had no more fear. I felt I'd had nothing to fear about. I'm like prayed and stuff like that. I could tell you if it wasn't for the big guy in the sky, I'd have been dead a long time ago. I've had a lot of horrible things happen. And and I can tell you, let me give you a little, a little insight on something. Okay, you know how when people have have missing time happening right to there's uh you know like if you ever see like if you have like a, a clock on the ball that has that uh a lot of times if something happens it's always usually the clock is slow right you you know your clock is usually slow yeah if, if, like, but i've had times where the, the can the clock is fast it goes like maybe five or so minutes or whatever faster how does that happen? You'd figure the battery goes dead, but there's something that something that happens at that time. You know, your the the, the cable television uh, clock will go off, and other clocks, things like that. Your your cell phone clock will go off like that, but, but that would continue. There's something that happens in that period of time that lets you know what it is. I've got a way of talking about that. Maybe that would be if I'm ever a guest on your program to help you with a lot of other stuff like that. Uh, I, I think you just were alone. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, hour. <laughs> oh yeah, the hour high. Yeah, no, well, hey, better but an hour it, than nothing. I'm, I'm assuming, yeah. I'm assuming, Lamone, that you've you've yeah. heard Heidi Hollis before. Yeah, and she's she's talked about the same thing that, you know, that if you are dealing with, you know, one of these entities and it's it's trying to force you to do something against your will, that if you do call upon Jesus, it mm. will it will stop the attack because in in her you know in her view. Uh, these things all are still beings of God and have to be subservient to, to God and Jesus. So, mm-hmm. and see that. See the thing about it is, see, I don't just pray to Jesus. I come to Him in the name of in, in the name of the Son. I talk to the big guy in the sky. I talk to the man. Like I said, and I've had times where I've literally, literally, I've had times where I was being chased by people with guns. I thought, Oh Lord, Joe. And I mean, literally, people would ran right by me. I'm standing right there. I'm 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 pretty big, okay. And I was a bit bigger then. They ran right by me and not seeing me. And I was like, oh, you know, I mean, it's, what's I mean, I and I know I've called upon them. I, I try not to call upon them too often, but when I do, I've never had any. I've always been. He's always been there for me. And I feel sorry for those people that don't 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 know the Lord. Like I said, and if you don't know the Lord, you, you, that's so much you don't that you're missing out on. 
And if and believe me, I've, I'm I'm a man of flesh and no worldly things. Rough tale. But like I said, I, I like I said, I this I was for him literally calling to help me when I called upon him. I would not be here. I, I I've had well, I would have been uh, been abducted or not more than abducted, but been possessed. Like well, I said, you know, like when I took. When I told you how I got those scratches, when they at the at that bag in Haunted Museum, we wanted to open up the Divic box that night. Mm-hmm. Remember, I told you, yeah. So when I went out the door, I, like I said, the scratches were bleeding down my on my down my uh, my left bicep and down my back from my my shoulder blade all the way down my down my butt to the back of my thigh, my my, my right thigh. Those three scratches that was they were bloody. They drew blood, and I went outside and called talked to the Lord, and it was all good. He said, but I, I don't. He's. I don't go to him too often. But I, I speak to him every, every day, and I put the people in my prayers, like you kids right over there. And not, not just you know, but I do literally. And it's like I don't. I, I, I tell this. I'd rather, I'd rather play with nuclear warheads before I played the big guy in the sky. He's been there for me when I've needed him. And there's times that I've prayed for other things, and and when I've lost people in my life, you know, I feel it's there's a, there's a reason for everything. And when it happens. Well, absolutely. I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that it did work out for you. Just just real quick, Lamont. Yeah. Before we let you go, uh, just a heads up for you. This Wednesday night on Midnight Society, I'm sure you're familiar with Vampira, right? Oh yes. I'm going to be interviewing her niece, Sandra Nimi, who has a new book oh. out called uh, Glamour Ghoul, all about her aunt, uh, the you know the the actress who played Vampira, uh, Mila Nermi. And we're gonna we're gonna find out all about her very very interesting life. I think you're gonna be fascinated by this discussion. So, I noticed that she has a real big forehead. I mean, really giant. Yeah, no, I mean, that was yeah part of the look. She had the, you know, the the large forehead. She had the arched eyebrows, and uh, and of course the impossibly skinny waist. So oh, if, that's horrible. I can't, I I don't like those eyebrows. That's like um like with uh for instance like uh, uh Joan Crawford. It's like her eyebrows. I like women. I like thick eyebrows. I like natural women with natural eyebrows. But it's not like they're, I'm sleeping with any of them, so I don't have to worry about that. But, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or, but like I said, I but I've got oh I I just know that I would like to share. Did you did you show him the pictures yet? I like uh, to show him yet. The no, I'll, I'll show him after like the to, show. I like to hear his, what he has to say about it. I like to what his what his his, uh, his thoughts on it. Is. Well, I'd like to hear that. But uh, like I said, you guys. Um, like I said, I just hope that you'll be able to do the, do the YouTube thing live because I think that takes away a lot of people that would love to be there to, to watch you guys and, and enjoy the program. Yeah, we're just so. two goofy-looking guys sitting in a studio. As I always well, say, we have the face for radio. And you've got, you got the heart for, uh, for, the, for GQ magazine. So, <laughs> so, you know, run it like you've got to, players. And All right. I'm well, trying to see. Hey, hey Lamon, did you catch this? Yeah. You, you, what did you think of Stormy Daniels last night? Well, besides all the effing, all the F-words. There was like a that, lot geez. of language, yes. I mean, heaven forbid if I'd said that twice, I'd have been out there for months. Well, I tried. Well, no one's like, oh, they, <laughs> yeah. can, they can say those things, but yet you cut me off when I say something. I'm like, because when you call, we're on the radio. And you were on the radio last night, too? No, that's streaming only. But even even then. No, we only, how, what, we only how, stream. What, remember how, like, Amy and what's-his-face, uh, what's what, what, yeah, what's-his-face, uh, Jerry... The geriatrics. Well, Remember, I, was trying, I had a good clean joke, 
and I was like, cut off. I was like, you bastard. It's it's you know? it's 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 at our discretion. And and right now I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna use my discretion to say goodnight. So thanks okay, for calling please, in, and we will please let, look at him if he goes. I hear his what he thinks about the pictures, please. Okay. Have okay, a good one, Playboy. Play on, Playboy. Take God it easy. And hope to see you guys soon. Take care. Play on. I'll try to. That is that is Lamone, <laughs> and uh, and of course, yeah, I will. I'll sh I'll show you those photos afterwards. It's, I, oh. you know what? I mean, I, I mean, you got your. Is it on your phone? Yeah, it's it's not it's it's not a big deal. It's some celebrity. Well, it is to him. Celebrity photos that he sent over. Okay. Um, but you know the. Would they be celebrities? I know. Uh, yeah, no. The idea he has he has quite the collection of. Um, you know, then they're clean photos, but oh, you know, well, that's nothing. a shock. They're, uh, I want to go back to what he was saying though about the idea, and and I mentioned too that Heidi Hollis said the same thing, and when we talked about it way back in those days, I remember you kind of scoffed at the idea, and still do. But I do hear it from more and more people. Do you think that? It's not, and I'm talking about the idea of invoking Jesus or God to try to um, scare off these 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 entities. Do you think that it's not so much that it is the entities are obedient to God or Jesus, but that they're playing the role to keep the illusion going? Oh, so that, that, that they, isn't even what I was thinking. No, but that that is what uh, several other well-known researchers have, you know. As you know, I worked with Bud for many years. One of the things that they want to do is try and... Ah, nice. A little Linda Carter action. Yeah. He's got photos of Don Wells and... Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the... I wonder if it isn't more that it is empowering the person and therefore giving them some sort of... You know, some sort of ability to 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 fight back in the situation. Not so much that it's it's God or Jesus that's doing it for them, it's but it's their it's, own self-affirmation that is giving them the strength to resist and things like that. That's one one way to look at it. One of the other things that uh, it, it's looked at because I've dealt with literally thousands of abductees, and some of them, you know, being rather high clergy that. You know, here's somebody that is working on behalf of God and they can't get them to stop. You know, uh, it's, so is it the person themselves and their own belief or is it them acting as like, ooh, they're invoking this thing. Let's let's play and pretend and, you know, play along so we can keep and continue getting them to go along with the program. Can a person be strong enough to keep the abduction from happening? No. So there's no... Nothing that you can do when you're in that situation. Okay. Let's clarify that there are different types of abductions. Okay. Physical abductions where they actually materialize and corporealize and our realm, you know, whatever here. Those physical cases that you're dealing with physical entities from a physical location, not, you know, not those type of abductions. No. You're not going to stop that. Okay. Period. I, I don't care what name you try and use to make that happen. Not gonna, not gonna be the case because you're dealing with something else that's from somewhere else. And okay, who's this guy you're talking about? I have no idea. Well, you're still coming with me. When you're dealing with the more 
I'll call it spiritual abductions, where they're taking your your mind, your spirit, or whatever. There, it's a different set of rules because your your spirit or whatever is far as what we're able to determine is a form of energy and energy has to conform to certain rules and this and that and those rules where your energy how you focus it yeah you could produce some sort of resistance to a psychic type of abduction versus the physical abductions so I know you said that you can't invoke the name of anyone to get them to stop. What if you invoke the name of Whitley Strieber? Will they just roll their eyes and be like, oh, forget it, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that is, you know, I think one of the, the the misconceptions that people have about these experiences, and and again, you from experience, me, I'd like to say from just hearing stories, yeah. uh, not actually living through it, but that is one of the misconceptions is that the person is in a helpless state you know that not always like i said even even in the physical abductions that i've had cases that i've spoken to other people where they've you know and and myself included they they forget to switch you off or you know immobilize you and you get to go and you know off script on them and start doing other things and things go sideways and you know but yes you can resist them to a certain degree in the physical aspect you can also like i said re- resist them in the 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 psychic abductions or what have you i don't have that many, very little experience in that realm all mine have been mainly physical so but i mean when i say that you know the person isn't in a helpless state like like, there is some degree of, they are putting up resistance. It's just that the resistance doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Ca- kind of the way that I'm looking at it. Shoveling like, sand against the tide type of yeah. thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, I definitely want you to come on Midnight Society some night when it works to have you, you know, mm-hmm. go in depth. Sure. And talk about these. Uh, and I, I know we've discussed it here on Spooky South Coast, but there, there's a different audience there. And, and I think we'll have... Do you want some other people that I'm um, associated I'll, with? I'll on? talk with Michelle and see how how she wants to do it. Um, but I do I do want to just give the time to you to just kind of tell everything in a in a more intimate setting than you know. I know it sounds weird because you're still broadcasting to people, but it's a little bit easier sometimes to get people to open up when you're just sitting in your house talking to me over the computer than. Uh, Having it be, you don't you know, live that far from me. I can go right to your house and do COVID it. rules, man. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> I'm sitting right here. I no, I don't. I don't actually have a setup for two people at my house. Oh, <laughs> but um, working on that. I'm I'm working on actually redoing uh, the the home studio a little bit because I I realized that um, I need to upgrade some stuff, okay. and uh, so that's kind of my plan for the winter and the spring is to maybe redo that studio a little bit and make it so that I'm not so dependent on, you know, that room for other purposes and just make it a studio. You've been in my home office. Yeah. Like I have a TV in that, uh, in that room that I haven't turned on in 10 years. The desk. Yeah. And the desk, the desk is pretty much my broadcast setup. So I want to get rid of everything else. Uh, and they also had a fairly large bookcase in there. I have a couple. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're totally full of paranormal books too. And then um, I'm thinking about like putting up some soundproofing and stuff to kind of insulate it a little bit more. It, and 
as I as I build that out, you know, maybe maybe that will have some video capabilities too going forward with Midnight FM. But if you want to check out that program, you can tune in to midnight.fm. That's the website, Midnight Period FM, uh, weeknights, Monday through Friday. And as I mentioned before, we will have on Wednesday night, we're going to be talking with uh, Sandra Nimi, who is the niece of Myla Nermi, who played Vam- Vampira. And I'm reading the book now. <laughs> what a life Vampira had. I mean, the, the, the men that were in her life that uh, I had no idea. I mean, we're going to be talking quite a bit about Orson Welles. Really? Yes. Marlon Brando. Okay. So, yeah. So you want to tune in for she that. She like big guys. Fascinating story. Well, I don't think Orson was big when she knew him. She knew him in the 40s, like oh. right after Citizen Kane. Okay. So he was, you know, he wasn't quite, yeah. he, he wasn't the Orson Welles that he became. <laughs> okay. By the way, just a real quick note. One of the coolest clips I saw on the internet, this is why I love you know, YouTube, because you can go down these holes. But uh, it was Orson Welles filling in, I think, on the Mike Douglas show, interviewing Andy Kaufman. Oh, God. But Andy was so reverential being in the in the presence of of, of Orson Welles that he, he wasn't even on. Like, he, he was just himself. He wasn't playing the, the characters he would normally play. And, and Orson Welles is just, like, fascinated by Latka. Like asking him, <laughs> asking him lack of questions, and oh, it's just it's it's very very interesting, and I, I I just I'm glad we live in an age where even though I was too young to have seen that live when it happened, that I can go back and watch it now, you know, like other people are like I like to go back and watch Ed Ames teaching Johnny Carson how to throw a tomahawk. I'm like I like to watch Orson Welles hosting talk shows, because <laughs> just totally different. All right, that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, happy anniversary to everybody out there. Uh, now we enter into year 16, and uh, and we're almost legal. So soon enough, we'll be able to uh, do all kinds of things that we shouldn't like shouldn't do, that we were doing anyway. Um, no, it's that's 21 now. Yeah. Wink, wink. All right, so that will do it for tonight's show. We will be back next Saturday night. Uh, and until then, I want everybody out there to, as always, stay spooktacular.